Yeah. All right. So, Forrest Miller, thank you so much for being with me today. How you doing? What's up? I'm doing all right. I'm yeah. on my uh, my nice little break from from give them an argument. I'm still doing editing for like I don't know five different shows right now, but really, I'm, I'm on my like producing break, which is kind of nice. Like a pro- like during the day, you have like a little break in the day that you give no, yourself. No, I'm saying like oh, like okay. we're on a, we're Things on a, like a wrapped general, up. We're on a general hiatus. Like um, Ben decided to call it as like season one and season two, so we finished uh, season one and. We're like waiting until May to start season two, I think. Did you see that coming? Was he like, was it like a, a, a unilateral decision along the way? He's like, I'm going to do season two and take a yeah, break. His book's, uh, his book's coming out on the first. Right. So, um, what's his book? Yeah. Um, his book is Canceling Comedians While the World Burns. It's really good. But yeah. people are people are pissed off about the title, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? Hold on. Are comedians I, mad? Who's mad? Uh, all the comedians they want to keep getting <laughs> no um no i don't know just you know just always, anytime you uh criticize cancel culture in any way and like the left's reaction to it there's a good portion of um twitter leftists that that want to keep that going i think and i mean like with with um i wouldn't say with good reason but like for good reasons i'd say i think that um i think that there's like a, an idea that you know you need to defend cancel culture or or even deny that cancel culture exists because um i don't know it's something that gives people a voice but like that's not real power you know what i mean like it's just kind of a a a voice along the sidelines i guess it's a culture war thing and i don't know so ben's book is kind of criticizing different ways that like the left um i don't know different like psychologies i guess that we all have that or pathologies i guess is the word i was looking for that um, we all engage in that makes, you know, getting power a lot harder. And I don't know, I think it'll piss off the right people, but it'll definitely piss off some. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's great to hear. Uh, hey, so you went on a, so you went on a, on a, you just debated like Gene Epstein, like the, the Soho, Soho forum guy in Florida. And we took a, a season break. <laughs> okay. Um, what else, Forrest? What else uh, in the where are we now, where are they now uh, category? What else can you tell about yourself? Give yourself the big shout out. You've mentioned Give Them an, an Argument Show, which is one of the shows on which you uh, produce the podcast. Do you do any video as well, or is it just the audio? We, yeah, we do all video. Oh, my um, gosh. Audio, yeah. video sucks, but yeah, go on. Yeah, we have an, we have an audio version, but we do the okay. video on StreamYard, and um, all right. then we rip the audio off that, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know if you... Um, how, like how much you know about video, like audio, audio podcasting as opposed to video. Like I've never been um, like that into that. Like I'm, I've always been a video guy, but um, mm. yeah, I don't know. It seems like four hours, like we do like shows that end up lasting like three or four hours sometimes. And just because like we interview, well, Ben interviews like two people and we have like different segments and stuff and it kind of just drags on. And I don't know if like, we've been talking about the fact that like maybe four hours of audio isn't, isn't necessarily what people want to listen to. So I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on that. It's like a, I know you're doing kind of like, um, podcast training almost right now for people. In a way I do it for free as to say, I'm not really sure what the fuck. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, cause I've worked on so many shows at this point, like, you know, at least helped out with so many shows and everybody always has like a different strategy for oh, what yeah. they, think works but then every everybody cushions it including me i mean i'm not you know not 
saying that I'm different than this in any way, shape, or form. I'm definitely not. But everybody kind of just sits there and goes, yeah, well, I don't really know, but this is, like, you know, what I think it is. Like, the, the algorithm is the, is the craziest part of that. Like, nobody yeah. understands how the YouTube algorithm works at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to tap into that right now for the first time. I don't even know what to expect. Yeah. I'm just trying to give it constant content. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you have any questions, ask me and I'll tell you. I don't really know, but. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I will uh, have some specifics as we go. It, it may be one of these things where we, we pin it and we, we come back to it and, and, and really dig in someday. But I don't have no fucking clue what I'm doing on YouTube. I pretty much yeah. take these interviews, which are an hour long. It's the format is to keep it, you know, in a range that I might be willing to listen to. I'm just, dude, an hour is still a lot for me because uh, I watch content on my stream sort of like all day when I'm not doing the interviews. And I don't know, I, there's like a sort of a there's a good number, like 20 minutes. I love 20 minutes. That's like what I'm willing to pull up and show myself and show the stream. Uh, I don't know. I'm more willing to do something like that. If it's hell an hour, which is the content that we do right here, it's, it's pushing it. But this is uh this is more coalition building and it also f happens to be content building at the same time and I don't yeah. know maybe one day I'll, I'll learn how to really tap into YouTube but uh. well I love I love the producer training idea I've seen that you've done some streams on that and I think that that's something that really needs to be um, I guess taught more because I mean I went to college for video editing um, oh. I mean UPALS which is like a state college in the town that I live in but still like. You know, they, they teach you how to do things as if you're going to go into, um, like, movies, and they teach you how to do things as if you're going to go work for TV shows. But, like, nobody has any idea how to teach you. Like, like there's no, like, podcasting, uh, like, there's no podcasting classes. You know what I mean? Like, they don't teach that yet, which is understandable, I guess, but it's still formatted for um, a certain kind of content development, I think. I mean, all kinds of training are. And then I feel like the people that teach, like, oh, I'll teach you podcasting. Like, I've never even, I've never heard of any of the people that that teach like like those online podcasting seminars so I'm like yeah. this is someone running a fucking grift like that somebody paid a bunch of money to and they're like oh i know what i'm doing like don't worry we can start a it's like the master class thing like nobody in a master class knows how to teach like they never hire teachers for that you know <laughs> it's sus as fuck it's like going to bartending school you don't learn by going to bartending school you learn bartending by like being behind the bar so yeah you know either figure out how you can get the job or from a friend or someone like that, you know, hook you up or like, or, or, you know, grind it out as a bar back, you know, sort of one of those yeah. things. You just got to go do it. Uh, I've worked in, uh, I worked in security for bars. Um, like, I don't know, like there was a local, there's a local like club in town that was, it closed. It was, it was fucking awesome sometimes. Like yeah. they, they started doing, um, when I was like a, when I was like a teenager before I could go in there, they, they had like, I don't know, before it, like, really got into, like, a radio thing or whatever, like, they had, like, UK grime dubstep. Like, they were the one bar around the, the club that played that. So they would have, like, all these people come in. And then New Falls ended up having this guy, Lucid, that plays with Bass Nectar, and he, like, hit it big and has been releasing albums and, like, toured, toured with Bass Nectar for a while. Hey. And he was, like, old roommate's roommate. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny. Like, they had so, I guess, because they had so many people that were like, you know, dubstep DJs that were just starting out that would like show up in town that people started to like actually get to know them. So like we had like Space Jesus come play at one point at like four in the morning and like he like hung out at my friend's house for, I don't know, for like uh, a few hours and just like smoked with him and stuff. And and then like a couple years later, I look at like these big lineups and he's like, he's like on the middle of like the lineup and some of the biggest like, um, <laughs> 
I don't know, some of the biggest like festivals around. Like, like like before the names get too small on the poster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least big enough that you can see them on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um <clears throat> awesome. Did you want to name any of uh, any other projects that you uh, specifically the uh, podcasts or any other projects you're working on? Well, um, I don't know. I'm I'm back to I think helping out with um, doing documentaries for Jacobin, hopefully. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah. A little bit of yeah, short ones. Well, so originally, um, you know Vic Bayana. Um, no, he's another, he's another editor. So he was friends with Michael Brooks. I mean, when I when I worked for Michael, and we did okay. these like histories. And um, Vic was kind of, I don't know, he, he's, he was working for Now This for a long time. So he like, was really good at formatting like, like, like internet documentaries or like internet, I guess, video productions, like that short form content. So I, I, uh, I worked with him for like a, a year and a half pretty much. And we did a bunch of these. I think we did 12 Alyssa History documentaries. Like, so once a month that he, we would drop them and him and Michael would like plan them out. And then I would kind of do the grunt work. And it started like getting so I was doing more and more work on them until eventually I was like, all right, I need like my nice little like like co-editing um, <laughs> name on the on the thing. But um, mm. we kind of pitched an idea at one point to Jacobin that we wanted to continue doing those when Michael passed, and we released two of them. We released uh, one on populism at the beginning of the year, and we released um, oh, I can't even remember what the other one was. It feels like it's so long ago. Um, the first one that we did. But um, so I guess we're doing a third one, but Vic is back to doing Alyssa Histories. And so we kind of split up from that. <laughs> um, so that's that's one project. I, I mean, I don't know. I edit a bunch of stuff right now. I edit um, Weekends for Jacobin with like okay. Anna and Ando. And I edit uh, the Jacobin show, which is really good. Um, and then I do work for like Left Reckoning with with Matt and David. Um which I guess shout out to them. They've, they've been they've been killing it. They've been really carrying on Michael's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I help out with like Katie Halper once in a while, doing clips for her. So I don't know. I've been kind of all over the place with stuff. You are busy. Yeah. Dang. And a lot of that's video. I wonder what kind of video card you got. Um. Yeah. I've been. I want to. I, I want to update my video card. I want to like um, be able to uh, edit more and export more it takes, just takes so long it drives me nuts with the uh, video it takes so yeah. much I, i'm pretty sure i still have a 2015 macbook pro so it's like it, it definitely takes a, a long time and and longer and longer and adobe really fucks you i feel like like every update it gets slower i mean i don't know i think that's that might be imagination but <laughs> it feels like every update of adobe it gets slower it might be by design yeah yeah I don't well, think anyone would be surprised. Forced convalescence is the is the term for that, I think. Yeah. Dude. Or, no, planned obsolescence. Um, I think convalescence is a bright eyed song. Um, but uh planned obsolescence is right, like right. the the concept of, of Max that you know, every every update they get a little bit slower and for a long time they couldn't prove that and then a couple of years ago they had that lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did. They they showed that they were slowing them down. Yeah. They were like, oh, just so you can handle the fuck you, dudes. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, then that I think believes, I believe that uh, brings us to the part of the conversation where we can talk, uh, Forrest, about your leftward bound journey. A little discussion here about your pathway to leftism, left adjacentism. You 
do not have to define your ideology or politics in any way. You're encouraged to if you like, however. How about we go ahead and start with that and we'll let you dig in. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable at this point calling myself a democratic socialist. I really mm-hmm. wasn't for a long time. Um, I guess I kind of went by the like the social democratic label, but I don't know. It's kind of it's been like a, a nonstop leftward uh, journey, I'd say, starting from kind of just being like a progressive liberal. That I, I mean, I guess Bernie's really what what turned me further. Like watching Bernie get kind of cheated out of it the first time and not taken seriously. And and I mean, obviously, there's some criticisms of. You know, it kind of was just uh, originally formulated as like a campaign to push Hillary Clinton left. Like, it, you know, nobody really thought like when Bernie opened up, it was to like 10 people pretty much. Like I remember seeing it on The Bailey Show and they were kind of making fun of like, oh, look, nobody's here. And Bernie was like announcing his candidacy in 2015. But like it, it really I mean, it caught on really fast and watching kind of the the DNC kind of fuck him out of that completely every chance they could. Not that he would have necessarily won, like, not that he, if he, that he would have won if everything was fair, but, like, it seemed like even if every, every single thing was, uh, like, I don't know, it seemed like any chance to fuck him to, to show their, like, their, um, I don't know, to show, to show the fact that they have control over this process, I guess, and you don't, and that you should just stop trying, which seems like, you know, interesting enough, interestingly enough, has been um, Obama's tack every time he talks to students, is to be like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry, like you know, you, you're you're gonna you're gonna come back around to the center. Like <laughs> we're gonna grind you down. Um, yeah. So I started out kind of as a progressive liberal in like a college town, and I didn't really know that politics went farther than that. Like I yeah. knew that like socialism and Marxism existed. I was interested in learning about like the Black Panther Party. I mean, still am, but um, and I was taking like classes in in college, like. Because I didn't, I switched into like taking a four year, like going to a four year college um, after three years of doing, uh, you know, like like my associates and like the first class that like kind of got me shoot into it was taking modern China, hmm. and um, so like I didn't have the grade point average to completely get into a four year college, and the 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 modern China like history professor kind of like wrote a letter and was like, no, he's he's been a good student taking this class at the four year college, so I was like, all right, I'll take cultural revolution, which didn't really think anything of it and then it kind of i got like fascinated by maoism (laughs) right um hey so that was kind of an accident like not expecting that this is what i wanted to do i wanted to i mean i've always wanted to be kind of like a a director slash like documentary filmmaker okay and um so i was trying to like apply like college got finished i was trying to apply to um you know all these different like regular media jobs and then i was in brooklyn one day and i was at like my 12th like the 12th place I had applied to and it was like an, like an unpaid internship and I still didn't get it. And I was like, and I could mm. tell, like, you know, you can go into like an interview and you could tell like I didn't get this. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I was like, damn, they don't even want like my unpaid labor, let alone like. <laughs> <laughs> assholes. Yeah. So, so I, um, I was at like a, a Brooklyn food court and like Michael was standing there, like Michael Brooks. And I just, you know, and I was watching majority report a lot. Like, it was yeah. kind of, it, it's kind of like, you know, the, the Sam Cedar style progressive liberal to socialist pipeline, I guess, for a while when Michael was on it and Jamie was on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, so, so I was watching that and I was like, you know what, like this, like Michael Brooks seems approachable. Like I'll say what, like, you know, what's up? Like if, if I see someone that is like kind of famous, like I'm not necessarily going to, 
you know, walk up to them. Like I've never been that kind of person, but <laughs> I walked up to Michael and we had like a nice conversation and he ended up like messaging me after I said I edited stuff and saying like, Oh, like, would you want to come down to majority report studio? Like we're looking for people to edit TMBS clips. Um, and so like, yeah, so like being a part of that and like really feeling engaged in that work and engaged in, you know, like this kind of politics, like, made me comfortable enough to over time like really be like all right like democratic socialism is is the name of what i am for a long time it was like oh well like you know like i don't think things can go too far too fast and then at one point you know within like around 2020 2019 2020 i guess i really am like no like this is this is this has hit the breaking point completely um you know i mean i think that there is a there still is an electoral solution but it's going to take a long time and it feels like we're kind of hitting a breaking point. So it's been a long road from from kind of being like, a, well, Bernie seems pretty cool to like, no, fucking democratic socialism is, is what I am. I think that the electoral solution of this is like getting like a lot more Congress people that are like, you know, the squad type of, but, but like further left even. And I think normalizing that and getting a lot more people into like political positions all like not just in congress but like you know at the state level local level i think that's the eventual road to change but like in the meantime i think that kind of pushing things to burn enough down um <laughs> that that people realize this isn't really working for them because i think a lot of people intrinsically know this isn't working for them but don't feel like they have a political uh solution to it and i think that people really need to feel like people really need to feel like politics can change their lives like um I, I like him a lot, but Ronan Burtonshaw said that on a, an episode of TMBS, and I've said that a whole bunch of times since. I think it was the last episode of TMBS that Michael did. Um, he said that uh, you know people really need to feel like politics can change their lives, and that's kind of kind of formulated my I ideology since. I'm like, yeah, that's the that's the goal. Like that has to be the goal because people know that this isn't working. You know, people know that neoliberalism is is literally a fucking death cult, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that there has to be something else, but. You know, the more that we let establishment politicians, we let the Democratic Party, we let, you know, the Republican Party, like, really grind down what people think is possible, the the more it's like, um, you know, there's no alternative. But there, like, is an alternative. And there's an alternative in a lot of places across the world. And, you know, they've kind of shut our eyes to the rest of the world. Like, I mean, in general, but I don't know. Love it, Forrest. That's based. Hey, um, we got some good time here. Wondering if there's anything else. Twenty on four twenty, by the way. I'm sorry. Happy four twenty. Four twenty. It's four twenty. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm central, but I'll smoke with yeah. you if, if if you're insisting. No, I mean I'm. Don't I, twist my arm here. <laughs> I have an. Uh, I have to go get my stash and stuff, but some. It's, um, it's the first legal four twenty here. Congrats, yeah. That's um, um, I don't know. I I feel crazy. like every every Cuomo scandal, like things get a little bit better. Like he's trying to distract by kind of doing something cool enough that people are like, "Huh, things might be changing. Maybe we'll lay off Cuomo for a minute." So I was like thinking about it yesterday, and I guess the new Cuomo scandal is that um he paid for some of his book, like his coronavirus book, which already was a fucking dumb thing to do, but he's like profiting off it immensely because yeah. coronavirus in the middle of happening when he's writing this book about how to handle the pandemic like this heroic story because the media was treating him like some kind of god that needed to get statues and stuff and oh obviously yeah. Paul was the person that like takes that to his head automatically <laughs> and yeah. um yeah 
so I guess he was using like state resources, including like his state phone, like the phone that the state gave him so that he could to like, you know, write notes for his book. And he was using like all these state resources to get his book published. Um, so that's like the new thing that they're investigating, like how much, how many state resources or how much in state resources did Cuomo really use to get his book published. So I was thinking like oh, maybe the man. next thing is like Cuomo comes out and like legalizes shrooms or something like <laughs> and then they drop it. Yeah, just keep pinning them down until they give you everything you need. See, I I knew that Cuomo was corrupt the the second he got elected, and he had put together this he put together this commission to um he, he put together like this commission because you know New York State politics has always been corrupt, so he put a, like this corruption investigation commission together, and um and he said you know like I'm going to be the most transparent governor we've ever had. Within weeks, they started investigating him. And he disbanded his corruption, like his his oversight <laughs> corruption uh, council. Uh, that was all his own people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so and that was his first year in red office. Red flag, dude. Red flag. Oh gosh. He into the contracts of like Cuomo family associates that had um, hey. that he was like giving all these high positions to, and like these government contracts to, like just people he was friends with, and he was like, nope, pulling the plug on that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's the quomogenization of America. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it's not like it's not surprising that everything else has followed from that. I mean, yeah. You know, he had the IDC for a while, um which was just like a, a bunch of Democrats that he had caucus with the Republicans. Um that everybody knew was him like you know that, that he was behind and he was like standing on stage being like these Democrats have to come back into the fold. And, uh, but he was like meeting with them behind closed doors being like, no, like make, make sure that like the, the Republican, um, assembly or the Republican state Senate leader, cause they were all state senators. And he was like, make sure that the Republican state Senate leader stays like the, like only vote for him so that the Democrats can't can take control of the state Senate because they had won the most seats by one at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was like 51 to, or I don't know. It was like, so there was like, it was like 51% of the state senators were Democrats and like 49%, I think, were um, Republicans. But the Republican state Senate leader kept being in power because these like eight state senators had broken off. Or it might have been nine by the end of it. But I think it was six first and then two more joined and then another one joined. And it was after like these meetings with Cuomo where Cuomo was like promising them things and being like, because Cuomo didn't want to spend the, the budget if he wants to run for president in the future, which now looks like it's never going to happen because yeah. everybody in New York hates Cuomo, let alone like the rest of the country. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, um, like everybody in New York has always hated Cuomo. But, um, so it, it started like, I don't know, a bunch of like democratic socialists, like DSA, uh, candidates ended up beating out the IDC, which is really funny. Like each one was taken out in like 2018 by, somebody either endorsed by DSA or like working families party or like, I don't know. They were all primaried out pretty fast because people kind of were like, all right, I'm sick of this. Like we voted in Democrats and now like Republicans are kind of coming up with the legislative agenda for the entire state. And like nothing's moving forward. Like for years and years and years in a row, they said they were going to legalize weed and everybody, like all the Democrats besides those nine were pretty much on board for that. But it kept not happening. And Cuomo will be like, Oh, sorry, we can't come up with a deal mm. to push that through. And it was a whole bunch, like, the state kind of, the state is actually pretty progressive in, in the terms of, like, the voting base. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. at least in the city they are, which is kind of where the where the center of power is located. 
So I don't know. It's it's like weird. So for a long time, like all these things that everyone was agreeing on and all these politicians were agreeing on, like wasn't happening. So it seems like maybe now for the first time, some of that is happening. And I mean, you know, weed legalization is kind of the first, which I think should be done in every state by ballot initiative. I don't know why we kind of just okay. let politics, like run that process at all. I mean, you know, obviously it should be a federal thing, like, but if it can't be a federal thing and it's, you know, state by state, I think every state should get to vote on it on a ballot. It would yeah. probably overwhelmingly <laughs> give them a chance to vote on it yeah. so i look at your story here about chicago, uh, new york city and I, I think about my experience in chicago and chicago is a city run by you know democrats and still just so many problems that uh are just just so blaring that uh, could be fixed and yet and yet not so seriously like chicago is one of the things that pushes me left um and i i I don't know. Is it is it fair to say uh, New York City does the same to you? Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. live in New York City, so I'm not as in tune sure. to it like as someone that lives there. But I think one thing that pushes me left is New York State and the disconnect between what it seems like people want and what like you know Cuomo and like so called Democrats like in Albany are willing like are willing to do. And number one, and like their motivations for that, and and also just you know, I mean. New York I, isn't really that progressive. Like, Wall Street's here, obviously. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of interests mixing together. And throughout the state, it's kind of funny. Like, you look at the map of every time there's, like, an election that Trump was in. Like, Trump won huge swaths of the state. But then because, you know, the, the city was, like, the center of everything. Like, um, I mean, it was, like, kind of mixed up there. Like, Hillary, well, Biden won more uh, counties than Hillary did, I'm pretty sure, here. But, like, there's so many counties. And then, like, the, the few at the bottom that are like the city and like parts of Long Island kind of call it. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Like upstate people kind of think they're in the South, which is one of the, the most surreal things you'll do because it's like the beautiful leaves and like maple syrup and all this stuff as if you're in Vermont or something like that. And then people will have like a Confederate flag outside of their house. <laughs> and just like, or like we drive around with one on their truck and it's just like, dude, where the fuck do you think you are? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, the, the disconnect between, uh, you know, what actually ends up passing in the state and what people want definitely pushes me, le pushes me left because I just think the, the process needs to be way more democratic than it is. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny, though. I'm reading Nixon Land right now. I put it Boy. down for a couple months while I was busy, and I came back to it, and they're going through, like, the 1968, um, like, protests in Chicago. Like, right now is the part of it that I'm at. Oh. So, like, I'm on a <laughs> Chicago-heavy uh, reading zone right now. Mm -hmm. Reading about, like, Mayor Daly and <laughs> the Daly machine versus, like, you know, um, Tom Hayden and the Black Panther Party. And, you know, so I'm literally on the chapter on the 1968 Democratic Convention right now. <laughs> Yippee. I was listening to that, like, 20 minutes before I came on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Um Hey, whenever someone brings that up, I have to tell I have to tell folks that my grandfather was a Chicago police officer during that time. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, was he alive during your like lifetime? My grandfather, yeah, still is. Yeah. Oh, does he like what? What? What is his political orientation? Like, is it? <laughs> oh, he's on the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let Let's just say. That he, I think this is a, a quote uh, uh, from him. From him, he literally said, "There's never been 
a, a protest in his life that he's ever seen worth being a part of? I mean, but I feel like that, uh, well, you know, I guess he lived through all the civil rights protests. So that that's pretty fucking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, like reading anything about that time period. And, you know, obviously anyone that opposes protests is vastly on the wrong side of history at this point. Like, like that's the consensus of, you know, any, anybody, but it's interesting, like the layers of it, like, because you see it now too. Like there's like the layers of like, cause there are people obviously back then and now, but I mean, less so, less so outwardly now that were just straight up racist that like, yeah. like, you know I mean, like, like I like, like that level of like KKK fucking racist. And I mean, it was more common at that point, but like there's the, always that level of it, but then there's like different levels of moderation where it's like, people are like, well, you know, I, I, I agree with like, you know, what, what the protests want, but like, hasn't this gone far enough? Like, obviously yeah. there's the law and order thing, which plays a big part of the, the Nixon land um, story that, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's interesting, like the moderation or like the delusions that people have to tell themselves um, for these goals or like even, even just like socialized, like the socialized uh, nature of it, I guess, like the, People, people like don't want to seem outwardly racist to their friends or to people around them, and then so like the the loops that they have to draw around themselves, like you know, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not racist, but and then I'm not racist, but like you know what I mean, like and then the farther into social progress that we get, like the the more of those kind of like the more of a uh, the, the bending over backwards, I guess that people have to do to like just kind of say the same things that the, the died in the wool racists are saying anyway. <laughs> yeah. But I still see them all over Facebook and shit. Like, Oh my God. You know, like people being like, Oh, like, like I support the protests in theory, but, and it's like, you know, you're already just admit you're on the wrong side of history. A lot of time, like most of the time you have to say that, but like, it's a big smelly, butt. yeah. And then people, <laughs> people don't really go out of their way to learn history. So like, you know, like a lot of the same things that the right is parroting right now. Like, like I, I even I get surprised as someone that's interested in history. Like, the like the history of like terms. Like the like Trump saying like when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Hmm. Which I made the joke that um I saw you guys posting the Lori Lightfoot thing, and I was making the joke that she's one scandal away from uh from saying when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, she's a cop. Yeah. <laughs> She was, I always ask like Kenzo this, but like she, she really chaired those, um, the police oversight for like the, those, those hearings, right. In the wake of, of, um, like in the wake of a police shooting, like that's how she came to prominence and got even like the, like she was like the, like the quote unquote progressive, like police, uh, accountability crusader or something at that time. Right. She claimed, no, you, you got me there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm no authority on that subject. Um, but uh, I would, uh, yeah, I, I know she was on, on some sort of like, it, it seemed to be like an, an almost like a pro police kind of type organization. I, I, I have a very basic understanding, if if any understanding at all. So, but um, what I what I understood from Kenzo, yeah, not a, not a cop, not exactly a cop. No, but what I understood from from Kenzo is that mm. she was like so in the in the wake of the shooting that brought down uh, Rahm Emanuel, she was the Laquan like, McDonald, yeah, yeah, Laquan like. She was Sorry, the, yep. um, 
she was the person that they had hired at one point as like a police accountability, like the progressive police accountability person. So she was supposed to be chairing, like deciding like what the, what the police, I guess had done wrong in the case and like whether there had been a cover up. Um, so she was seen as kind of like a compromise candidate from that. I don't know. I Kenzo would know way better than me. So I'm, but I remember him saying that in a, when we, when we talked to him at one point, um, so I didn't. I didn't really know anything about her until recently. I, I here. Here's the thing. Uh, since she, like I became a leftist since she was elected, if that helps to sort of like explain that. Like it, honestly, it, it to me it explains my ignorance in the subject. Otherwise, I'd probably be, probably be able to speak to it uh, in the sense that Kenzo has. Uh, in the terms of how she's responded to the protests over the past year, it's been appalling. She's she's effectively a cop. <laughs> you couldn't tell the difference. If, if she were a cop, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Just to put it that right. way. Well, I mean, politicians, they don't have to be cops. You know what I mean? Like the cop is a, I guess, um, the, I guess the, the cop is the, um, is the voting base to be satiated. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's such an outsized voting base that, you know, politicians feel like they have to be overly deferential to it. You know, you, you lose the cop and then you lose the city. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not not defending that whatsoever. It's fucking abhorrent. And they're, you know, like a lot of them, like it's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't surprise me at all how often that we find out that like, you know, all these cops have like right wing, like far right sympathies and like fascist sympathies, like right. to the point of like, you know, joining like Facebook groups that, which why, why like why would you if you're a fucking city police officer put that on record? But they seem to do it because they're time. so fucking dumb. But go on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, to be in that position, you kind of have to have that kind of tendency. I feel like, or you know, I mean, there's there's obviously some quote unquote like centrist progressive people that want to like change the police department from the inside. But I feel like they get pushed out really fucking fast. We have one of the worst. Um, Ulster County, where I lived for a while, had a, a sheriff that was so bad that um, Trump actually like gave him a nice award and everything. Um, yeah. like literally had him to the White House to talk about how good his strategy is. So that should probably tell you about how awful that the the sheriff in this county was. And he started this thing called Urgent um, Ulster Regional Drug Enforcement and Narcotics. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's like a I don't remember exactly what the um, what the acronym stood for, but what they would do is they would decide that they decided that low level drug offenders because we had a lot of opioids in in this county we still do, um, and like a lot of deaths from opioids at the time. And what they decided is that they felt like they could grab people from the lowest rungs of like a drug dealer's thing, which usually it's just some fucking twenty year old kid that like is selling prescription pills. You know what I mean? Or like you know like heroin that he got from like out of the city or like you know, somebody that he knows there. Like, it's not like there, it's not like these big drug, like kingpins in this area. And so they would grab these fucking 20 year old kids and then try to find out who their suppliers were, threaten them with like the most possible time they could give them. Like they would just intimidate the fuck out of them in the police station. And then they would raid these houses one by one. And they would try to work their way up the chain with like such efficient, such efficiency, I guess that like we had like some of the highest drug arrests of any county and Trump like invited this guy to the White House to talk to him about it <laughs> at one point. So he had like a picture on Facebook that he was posting. He's like, look, I met the president. And after seeing that picture, like 
we like this county voted him out really fast because you know we had elected sheriffs and he got replaced by like got replaced by this interesting guy that was like a state uh police officer for a while that actually is like somewhat progressive about the way he does things like he decided to stop that program he decided that instead of he's gonna like uh push for people to go to rehabs instead of going to jail for drug offenses like if they're low-level drug offenses and if it's not drug dealing like so it's interesting to go from we like kind of had a a full pendulum swing because of this guy getting to meet trump (laughs) i'm like putting the picture everywhere Mm -hmm. but um yeah yeah well, hey, Forrest, I think, um, hey, I think we, uh, let me let me just think about our format here, how much time we got, okay. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'd love to ask, given the opportunity to distill your life, your experiences, your leftward bound journey, what might you do if you had the chance to impart some wisdom, some knowledge upon a, year, uh, uh, you know, a younger version of yourself or someone like that maybe watching? And I mean, this is be best, hashtag be best. All right. Well, is it myself or someone else that's watching? Because myself, well, let- I'd probably go back in time and be like, listen, don't be fucking interested in politics in any kind of <laughs> <laughs> Just get I'm away, too- the whole thing. <laughs> get out. But, but Okay, so now that you're in, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's just been a long time getting here uh, to this point. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I, I, I guess for younger people, I feel like younger people have... Um, a lot of times their rhetoric is a little bit unhelpful. And I feel like, you know, we should have real political goals and not throw people like not throw any either like elected official or that like, you know, is sympathetic to our our goals or seems sympathetic to our goals, like not throw them to the wolves as fast as we do. And, you know, his name kind of, I know I, I said it and I wasn't really serious when I said it, but like the, the more anarchical, I guess, rhetoric of like you know everything needs to be abolished and everything needs to be like burnt to a crisp um doesn't really help things i don't think because i don't think most people are there or like even like revolutionary rhetoric even even as like a even said in an ironic way i guess like some of the more revolutionary like tweets that we throw out there like um like like the one that i was thinking about the other day that a lot of college uh like a lot of college socialists that are like a lot of them are white, like white college socialists in, in around here say they're like, Oh, like they're always like, remember this is stolen land. Like, which is like the, you know, the decolonial, um, the decolonization effort should definitely go on. Like, and I, and I completely believe in like land back movements and stuff like that, but just like, you know, the moralizing guilt of like reminding people that they're constantly on fucking stolen land. Like, like if it's not like a politician and if it's just like, you know, like your community or whatever, like what are they supposed to do about it? Like most people rent, you know what I mean? Like most people, um, I don't know. Like it's, it's not like, it's not like if you picked up and like suddenly, you know, all like everybody in any kind of, I guess what they see as a position of power in their community, like went back to where their ancestors came from or something that they would sell like, like they wouldn't be, you know, like the, the world that exists now already exists, like figure out how to, maneuver within that um so that's that's like one thing i guess the moralizing in general and like the constant like you know force guilt on people and the the constant cancellations and stuff like that i'm definitely not not down with whatsoever um i feel like we're just too quick to do that and i feel like we need to be a little more chill and and i also feel like we need to be a little more welcoming um 
which you know you're doing a good job with with this show and kind of having a lot of people come to chill and and have a melding of the minds but i think that needs to happen more i think people need to know that you know that that we're serious enough about ourselves that you know that it, it isn't a bunch of like college student radicals running around like just kind of yelling slogans and i also think that we need to let people know that we're not just constantly moralizing and making it, you know everybody that doesn't agree with us on one issue feel completely bad about themselves um so those are you know two big ones that's wonderful forrest um this that's that's like such good advice i'm like looking forward to like going back and like listening again and just letting it you know stew like because baby we got a stew going i mean i i really i've been thinking about it a lot lately I mean, it goes back to our, to the conversation about kind of like a, like a political journey, I guess. Um, you know, like what, like things I would either tell myself or just like bad traits that I've had in general. And like, I've definitely been part of like the, you know, as many cancellation pile on, on Twitter and stuff like it just is incentivized. But you think about like, all right, like you're no longer, you know, you stop thinking about yourself as like an individual and like, you know, you're like proving to people that you feel the way you do, like, you know, how do you prove to people as many people as possible, like be part of an in-group, like prove to people that you're, you know, that you're serious about your politics and you're, you know, you're as radical as possible. And like, and, and you stop, like, if it's a real political project you want to build, you think about how do you bring people in? Not like, how do you prove to, you know, the most intense core of people that are already there that, that, um, that you're serious about it. So I think that that's really, you know, every every move and decision you make, like, I mean, obviously it's fun to, like, joke around about stuff, but if you're going to be actually outraged about stuff, like, you have to think, like, how do I put this in a way that isn't just going to drive away as many people as I bring in? And, like, how do you attack a power structure and how do you attack an economic system while letting people know that once that's, like, once that's taken down, that there's going to be something for them on the other side of it and something that they're going to be doing better at? Because I think really, like, under capitalism and especially under neoliberalism, like the question people have in the end isn't, um, you know, it, it, it's not like what, um, it, it's not like, all right, if this goes away, is my life going to be more fair? It's like, I don't know. I, I, I think about this a certain way and I'm trying to like put it into words because I, I never, I never really talk about it. Um, I think it's that, people people need to know that there's something for them on the other side i guess mm -hmm. and the, the threat that people have whenever they think of capitalism being abolished and something else uh taking its place is are things going to get worse for me like i think people intrinsically know that things aren't working right now mm -hmm. um for them but the question is always are things going to get worse for me and it's like i don't know like we're kind of tricked into believing that we have all these freedoms and that we're kind of um like like that we're like relatively good, like we're constantly being told like, Oh, can you imagine if you were in this dictatorship? You know, like, so people are constantly thinking about that. And, you know, the question ends up being like, all right, so if everything's stripped away, like our thing is going to be worse on the other side of it. And I think that the left needs to start convincing people that things are going to be better on the other side of it. Because the, the question isn't for most people, are things fair right now? Cause everybody knows it's not fair. It's just, you know, are things going to be worse on the other side? And and I don't really have the you know the answer to how to convince people because if I, you know, like knew that we'd have <laughs> I'd be selling books right now, um, or something you know like. But it, it needs to be a welcoming philosophy, and it needs to be you know 
more democratic. Like, I, I think that we need to really push the democratic side of it, not like the democratic party democratic, but like the democratic, like the democratic democratization of work, the democratization of, you know, the political process, the uh, democratization of the economic process, like the, and maybe not, not like rule by the majority necessarily, but mm-hmm. we're not in a, in a democratized state right now whatsoever. Um, we're kind of in a, we're like people make these decisions for us. And then, you know, the only decision really is like what to buy, like, or like, yeah. what can you buy? Like, that's the, it's like, I've noticed this going into different things. Like, um, like they pushed it for the pro act. They pushed it for like Medicare for all. Like they're like, well, you have freedom of choice right now. And you know, if things are better, it's going to take away your choice. Don't you want choice? It's like choice to fucking what? Like, oh yeah. Like take it. Like it's going to take away the, like, your health insurance options, like <laughs> that you're going to have to pay for your own fucking health care. Like that's, that's the choice that you're, that you're talking about. Like, no, I don't want that choice. I want to be like, we had a uh, Abdul Al Said who's like, who wrote the Medicare for all citizens guide. And one of the questions that I had that I talked to Ben about asking him, cause he talks about it a lot is like when they talk about freedom of choice, like people don't want freedom of choice for their healthcare providers. People want freedom of choice. Um, People want freedom of choice in terms of, like, their doctor. Like, they want to be able to see their doctor. Like, that's what people want. Nobody fucking likes their health insurance. And, you know, we've let, like, Democratic politicians that are, like, centrists, like, centrist Democrats, like Joe Biden, like, we've let them kind of come up with this myth that people like their fucking health care provider. People like fucking Cobra. Like, people like fucking Blue Cross Blue Shield. Like, that's not the choice people want. People like their doctor. And I like my, like, I have a great doctor. Um. You know what I mean? As like a general practitioner, he's like one of those like hippie guys that doesn't push medicine too hard. And I, and I, and I respect that about him. Like he makes me feel at ease about going to the doctor. Like I wouldn't want to lose that guy, but, but like, you know, Medicare for all, you could go see any doctor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, you have to figure out a way to, to combat things like that, I guess, and to combat the false sense of freedom and to tell people that there's more freedom than just like economic, like <clears throat> consumer choice. <laughs> So two things here. They've, they've, they've got better propaganda than us. They have convinced others that uh, there's no, there's no alternative to the the system we have here. And, um, oh, I had a second thought. Oh, what were you just talking about at the end there? Medicare for all doctors. (laughs) Medicare for all. Yeah. Um, and I had another thought. Oh, there it goes. There goes all my confidence. Um, right. Oh, right. And when we make, I'm going to edit that out. I'm going to look smart. That here's this whole time. <laughs> I, I doubt all, I, I, I forget to edit all the dumb shit out, but, um, because it's me, I don't care about me. I'm vulnerable. Um, yeah. And when we make schooling free, the, the argument is, Oh, what about all the good doctors? All the rich people are going to take the good doctors. Hey, when schooling's free, we're going to have so many more doctors than you can fucking imagine. Right. Yeah. Think about how many more people will become a doctor when money's not an option and then we'll have a plethora of great doctors and then the bad doctors will go away. We'll figure it out. Okay. There's a better way forward. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. It is. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, a huge fan of um, meritocracy as a concept. You know I mean? Like what, what's that? What's a meritocracy? I'm dumb. I'm small brain, dude. Like, like rule by, like rule by elites or like, you know what I mean? Like just the concept of like, oh, the smart people are right. Like in a fair system, the smart people would rise to the top by their own merit. Like 
I, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but when money is isn't an option, when you're looking for a doctor, obviously you want a doctor that's being judged on merit. Like, you know what I mean? Like you want a competent doctor and yeah. the, 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 it's going to be competitive in the sense of like, how good is the doctor? It's not going to be competitive yeah. in the sense of like, you know, like, is this a rich person's doctor or not? Or like, you know, like right. doctors, like the best doctors aren't going to be like trying to do like private practice. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be open to more people. Um, yeah. which, which is like, you know, I mean, for the vast majority of people, that's a selling point, I think. Yo, here's what I just noticed. Like we're both producers. So like we sort of get chatting and we get going, baby. We can't, you can't stop. And I've done a poor job of moderating this. I'm trying to get this done in an hour. We're going to get to the leftist inquisition forest. I, I'm, I'm like so stoked. Remember, I want you to think of this as like we're planting the seed here for future conversations where we do get to dig in even more to topics like what we're chatting about right now. But uh, we got to get on. We got to get get a move on here. Uh, right. I do have a question for you in the leftist inquisition questionnaire. Our first question, Forrest. Uh, what's your favorite word? I don't know. I There's just some words that are fun to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. I should have looked at it. I should have looked at it and thought about it last hey, night. I was you so can shocked. pass or skip any question. There's no stress here. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> one, one, uh, one, one word I like a lot is plethora. Yo, that's it. Yeah, plethora. Like, uh, like a, you know, I mean, you know what that word means, right? Like, yeah, like many, uh, like yeah. a, yeah, a cornucopia. It's like many I like of... saying like a plethora of options. Like I feel like. It doesn't make me sound. It doesn't make someone sound smart when they say that necessarily, but it, like it makes them sound like well spoken. They're like, because oh. you could just be like many options, or you like a plethora of options. <laughs> just sprinkle that in there. I love it. Forrest, do you have a least favorite word? No. Good. Yep. It's fine. You know, I'm I'm open to I'm open to most words. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of them. Uh, a veritable plethora. How about a favorite drug? Do you have a favorite vice or a guilty pleasure? Or you could feel free to name one of each. Well, that's like, you know, you put a bunch in there because everybody yeah. can come up with a guilty pleasure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've always I've always liked to drink. I've, uh, mm -hmm. like, a, like, you know, a nice drink. But I, I've quit that for the pandemic because I also have the, I'm like, you know, I'm one of those people that kind of like gets into that like depressive drinking mode where they're like, like, like when that starts going, like it, it just, so like during the, during the pandemic, I'm like, yeah, like me, like not hanging out with anybody and just kind of like working and like, you know, now streaming and doing everything like, and, and just kind of like, you know, depressive pandemic drinking. Like I, I don't want to be any part of that. So for as long as there's been a pandemic, pretty much I've, I've avoided drinking at all. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's my answer for, for, okay. Okay. I mean, I I definitely I definitely consume too much. That's okay. like my, my vice. Uh, of just you know, I mean, whether it's food or like, you know, just anything really, fucking energy drinks, just really anything. Like, I'm an over consumer. You know, a, a thread between I guess two of the conversations we we're having. I was listening to um, Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher. Like, I've been re-listening to that because you know Ben's book is really good and he quotes um exiting the vampire castle throughout it which is like the mark fisher essay say so um i got around to reading ben's book now that i'm not working on his show for a month because we're off <laughs> so um so a big part of his book quotes the the vampire castle by mark fisher and so i've been i started rereading capitalist realism and found out like because i really like audiobooks so i can like do other things like chores around the house or something while i you know 
taking information and um a big like a big section of it is on like students and like students like filling their faces with like food and like just the the role that like consumption like constant consumption plays um for students today and like uh, like another thing he's talking about with it is like students listening to like headphones like, even if music isn't playing loud or isn't playing at all like students need to feel plugged into the matrix as he says so <laughs> like that's part of his so he's talking about like that non-stop like like I don't know. So there's a there's an audio book where it's Russell Brand reading it, which is it's honestly amazing. It's like a four hour audio book. So he's like students filling their mouths with nonstop snackage. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good, actually. Pretty good, yeah. Russell Brand. <laughs> Should take um, that on tour. Really, I feel like I feel like I would be so much more of a dynamic personality if I had Russell Brand's voice because <sighs> I talk. I talk really fast, like, and, but then, cause it's like my voice and it's kind of flat. Like, it's just kind of like, I'm coming up with stuff. But I feel like if I didn't, if I didn't have any idea, like if I was trying to come up with words and I was talking like Russell Brand, I feel like I could bullshit way better and be like, <laughs> and as they say, like, uh, <laughs> like, something like that, while you're <laughs> that is the danger of having a voice like that. You should actually be, be happy that it's your voice. Don't has, doesn't have flair, <laughs> uh, too much flair. Too much flair. It's got <laughs> the perfect a amount of flair. I love it. The yeah. mustache and the earring, you know, that's the, that's all the flair yeah. that you can really handle. Yo, you got to fit. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Forrest, we got a power forward here. How about sound? A sound or noise that you love? Should've, I should have looked at these beforehand because nah, I feel like they're definitely, they're, I, feel, I feel like there definitely is one and I'm not just not like thinking about it right now. Could circle back next time. Any question? I always, I always like I, okay. I always like going like that, like making oh. that sound. My yeah, yeah. Pretty, you got a pretty good one. But then I watched. Um, but but now it fucking terrifies me because I watched. Um, I watched that one fucking horror movie. Um, by the it's the one that it's the one that like oh, what the fuck is the name of that movie? I always forget. It's like the the one. Before um, the one in Sweden, like that came out a couple years ago, um, you, you know, you know, you know that that horror movie that came out a couple years ago that's like supposed to be like about like the death of a relationship and like it's like a cult in Sweden and they like killed people off one by one. Um, I'm terrible at coming up with like names on the spot. Hold on, no idea. Um, Anyone know? Chat. Everybody was talking about it last year. Um, Wait, what's it? What's it? How did I not remember Midsummer's name? Oh, that's amazing! It just popped right in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie, the movie before that, um, that 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 director made before that, like Ari Aster or whatever, like has like the little girl um, behind it, like the little this little girl like loses her head in the car, and but like she keeps making this noise throughout the movie. She's like a little bit autistic, and she keeps making this mo- noise throughout the movie. That's like. Like she does that with her tongue, and then she like keeps popping up as like a fucking ghost and making that noise. And now that that sound fucking terrifies me. And I used to love doing that as a kid. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I'm not right. sure I'll yeah. ever hear that the same again. Yeah. Oh, Hereditary. Hereditary is the name of that movie. Holy Hereditary. shit. Um, yeah. Uh, wait. That was the sound you love. I like. I yeah. I used to Damn. really like. With my tongue, I still because I felt like I could do it different because you know uh, it's easy like it's easy to do like the 
one, but like I, I yeah. liked doing like the full one with my tongue. And as like a kid, I, I don't know. I'm a strange. I'm a strange individual, I guess. But then I saw that movie, hey. and it terrified me every time I do that with my tongue. Ever since. <laughs> All right, then. How about a sound that you hate, Forrest? Just any kind of loud bang or like yeah. sound of a car backfiring or like anything that sounds like a flash grenade or like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Scary shit. Startles yeah. the shit out of you. Startling sounds, huh? Yeah. Fuck startling sounds. Fuck them. They can fuck the fuck off. How about reincarnation? A about plant. To, like, if you, Yeah, I'm sorry. If you can come back as a plant or a different uh, animal. Non-human. Oh, I thought you meant, do I believe in reincarnation? Oh, so I, yeah. Like, what about? like? Oh, do you? Um, you can do that if you want. I mean, I don't know. It kind of sucked to come back as anything, knowing how we're destroying everything. Like, yeah. Like I feel like I feel like if you if you could pick a time and an animal, like I feel like like going back before the fucking meteor hit and coming back as like a carnivorous dinosaur, you'd be on the top of everything, like a T Rex or something, or like I don't know, like I feel like there's hey. a whole like so if you could choose going back in time, I feel like I would choose the top of the food chain on, on most things because anything else would really fucking suck. <laughs> Yo, you can choose to go back in time. No one's ever done it though. I love it. Yeah. So no I one's like ever gone in the future either. So well. Well, well there I, is no alternative, so <laughs> <laughs> there is no future. <laughs> all right, all right. You'll, you'll never you gotta you gotta listen to the audiobook. Hearing oh. hearing uh, Russell Brand be like oh. there is no future. There is no alternative is the, the <laughs> Oh true. T Rexes can't can't fucking jack off, so yeah. that kinda helps suck. That's the where the rage comes from, though. That's where like, the rage comes from. And it's just like they can't jerk off, and if you can't find a, like a <laughs> nice T Rex to mate with, they're, that's their honey instinct. It's, it's <laughs> evolution was shrinking hands down so that you can't jerk off, and then you're and then you're fucking I don't know, like the rage cycle of your brain is an overdrive, and like the testosterone is pump, is is pumping through your dinosaur heart and like <laughs> oh my gosh yes the dinosaurs invented no fap november yeah but there was no fap every every month for them out there. <laughs> <laughs> they just passed it down how about then uh oh my gosh oh the god question if um if at the end of your life you find out you're like oh shit like god does exist heaven's real what would you like to hear god say uh, when you get I, to I like, heaven. I like that you, you know, you, you have the assumption that like everybody that comes on your show is an atheist. I fuck with that. You're like, <laughs> you're like, what do you mean if, if <laughs> I find out God. <laughs> um, well, no one fucking knows. That's what I'm getting at. Mute, you muted yourself. I'm not muted. I'm not muted. You're muted. Sorry. I muted myself to, uh, 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 Skype there. Um, my thing is no one knows. So if anyone ever gets to heaven and there is heaven and if there is a God, everyone's finding out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I honestly think it would be fucking hilarious if we got to heaven and we found out it was like Allah. <laughs> no, because, because every like, cause I know so many fucking conservative Christians in my family and stuff and like finding out it was Allah would really like, would really just, 
<laughs> they'd be like, yeah, but it's the same God. But it, it would I be like, <laughs> but they'd be, like, but it would be God would be like, no, you have to say Allah. Yeah, like, and it would that totally, they would totally piss him off. No, I can't. It would be hell to them. That <laughs> would be I, hell to them. I probably shouldn't say this on a public stream, but um, so my some somebody in my family, I'm not gonna say who it is, but an older an older relative in my family, yeah, um. We did like the twenty three and me thing. Yeah. And I guess it came back and we're from like southern Italy or like you know what I mean, that part of my family's from southern Italy. So they found out they were like half Turkish, like oh. half part which I think is fucking based. Yeah. But they were just lividly angry that like they were like, There's no way this could be and it's like, No, it's all the Mediterranean. Like like there's no there's no genetic purity in the Mediterranean. Like that doesn't fucking exist. Like you know what I mean? Like like the, I mean, the, it doesn't like, there's just so many countries in such a small locality and there's so many different countries. Cause obviously like there's North Africa, there's the middle mm-hmm. East, there's, you know what I mean? Like Southern Europe, like they're all in the same sea. And when you're on the same sea, like, you know, trading came out of that sea. So like, like there's no, there's no genetic purity whatsoever in that. And it's just funny to imagine like that they never thought about the possibility that they could be part Turkish and they're like, Oh my God. There's no way. <laughs> since that's how you know it's infected their like personality, their entire life infected. Yeah. I say. And that's how I ended up, uh, you know, working for weekends and in, in Anikasparian because I was like, "See, I'm part Turkish, young Turk." No. <laughs> <laughs> you leveraged that uh, in, in the interview. She's. I, I mean, I actually didn't meet her until more recently, but and she's Armenian, uh, but. <laughs> but <laughs> So, I was meant so, to be here. I'm a. I'm also a young Turk. <laughs> hey, bud. We have about five ten minutes left here. Uh, yeah. Let's name an influential leftist that you would like to meet, and they could be dead or alive. And and to specify, if they're dead, they would come back from the dead. And uh, I don't know. Somehow it wouldn't be too weird. I don't know. It's a weird Thomas hypothetical. Who? I'm sorry. Thomas Sankara would be would be cool. Love it. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I'd go to meet him or he'd, he'd just come kind of pop up in his revolutionary hat and start talking to me, but <laughs> dude, he's I, got a fit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. What, um, what do you think they would say maybe about you? What do you think they'd say about the world? What would you like them to say about you? Any of those, all of the questions, whatever you like. Um, wait, wait, what yeah. would I, yeah, so, Anybody tell, tell, if, 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 if he came back from the dead, what would you uh, like for them to say about you? What do you think they'd say about you? What do you think they would think about the world? I mean, I don't know. I just, it's just such a good revolutionary story. Like in such a short amount of time, he really turned around everything that you possibly yeah. um, could. I mean, you know, I mean, I think, I think one problem with, with, uh, I guess, historical figures like, like even like Sankara is that they're a little bit too conciliatory, like even as they're like as revolutionary as possible, like they're too conciliatory to some power structures. You know what I mean? Like, and like the people around them are and their circle is too small. So I think that that is one um, problem with, with kind of with the revolutionary things that have existed because they're up against such a large power. You know what I mean? Like the U S is the literally the fucking global hegemon, <laughs> of the last what like century and a half like 
so that's uh I don't know that's one thing but he just I just to be cool to meet him and be like I met Thomas Sankara at one point like <laughs> well he because he turned I mean you know he helped uh like Burkina Faso get their independence and then he kind of really did everything that you possibly like could as a leader of like a, a of a country like he had people build structures like infrastructure that had never existed um in his country like the, he was talking about food supply and colonialism and you know how the the french um the, the french uh you know the french government had kind of forced food austerity on them like through the food supply like that's how um colonialism happens you know what i mean like they they, they control the food they control the water they control everything so um so like that's I don't know I just thought that was always a really good quote that he had it was like mm-hmm. that, you know if you become food independent you can break away from colonialism. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving along here, hey, uh, uh, I'm gonna skip this one here. Uh, lastly, any streamer tips, uh, be it uh, from the product. Uh, uh, from the perspective of a producer or or as a watcher well from the perspective of of a i guess producer um i would just tell people that are interested in video editing that and that are leftists and that are interested in this line of work just to go for it like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like reach out to people you respect that have a podcast or reach out to you know reach out just in general like build community and like you know a lot of times people are looking for an editor or looking for a producer or something and don't really know resources and you know, like if that's something you want to do, like I think you should just go for it. And it, it's not really just taught because I remember I, I was listening to podcasts and watching podcasts um, before I knew that this was really like a like that there even was like a job editing them. Like I mean, I knew that people did edit them. Obviously, there's clips and stuff, yeah. but like I never pieced that together mm-hmm. until until working for TMBS. Like, so I don't know. I, I think that that's a that's a big one. Um, just you know, just to go for it and like reach out to people and and even if you know even if you even if they don't need help with something like they probably know somebody that does and a lot of people are like a lot of people want to help young leftists like a lot of leftists want to help younger leftists or like you know leftists that are that are struggling with something like use their talents for something good so i think that you know just reaching out and like really i don't know just really like thinking about ways that you can be employed in this field um, and ways that you can be helpful in this field that people might not have thought of. is like a really good way to go. Hey, um, normally we, we do a little time for your questions. Sorry. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Hey, so normally we, we, we do this and we give you time for your questions. Um, there's at the same time there's something that's uh, sort of happening in the news literally right now i wonder if you'd like to have me try to pipe in the the verdict for for derek chauvin here i i can't i i wonder if i could find a uh, a stream where i can go back in time just about two three minutes because they did just drop the verdict and i'd love to be able to go back and share this with you we could watch it together just give me a moment here thanks for your patience do you want to watch this with me or do you want to skedaddle up to you, Forrest? I mean, I can, I'm down to watch this. What did they, yeah. We I, can just do a quick, uh, maybe five, 10 minute reaction to this together. Uh, now that, you know, since I have you here, but um, let me just try to pull up, pull up a stream here where I can go back in time a little bit. 
Okay. Let's bring it in. And you should be able to hear this. Let me know if you can't hear the audio. It's just quite... Okay, there it is. There's your audio. Sorry, folks. All right, please be seated. Forrest, can you hear that? Yeah. Members okay. of the jury, I understand you have a verdict. You ever been on a jury, Forrest? No, I have not been on a jury. It's fascinating. Members of the jury, I will now read the no. verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. So you just read them. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, Audio count audit. one. Confirms. Court file number 27, CR 20-12646. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.44 p.m. Signed, juror four-person, juror number 19. Yeah. Same <laughs> caption, verdict count two. We, the jury, in the above-entitled matter as to count two, third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above-entitled matter as to count three, second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Jury four-person, 019. Members of the jury, I'm now going to ask you individually if these are your true and correct verdicts. Please respond yes or no. Juror number two, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number nine, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 19, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 27, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 44, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 52, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 55, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 79, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 85, are these your true yeah. and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 89, is this your, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 91, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 92, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Are these your verdicts, so say you one, so say you all? Yes. 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 Members of the jury, I find that uh, the verdicts as read reflect the will of the jury and will be filed accordingly. I have to thank you on behalf of the people of the state of Minnesota for not only jury service, but heavy duty jury service. What I'm going to ask you to do now is to follow the deputy back into your usual room and I will join you in a few minutes to answer questions and to advise you further. So I'll rise for the jury. <laughs> <laughs> right, you seated? With the guilty verdicts returned, we're going to have... Uh, yeah. Blakely, you may file a... People... <laughs>
on the cell phones. I see the the fucking the thing that I that really just feels like the nail in the coffin whenever I hear cops talk about this shit is like uh, the fact that like the cops would be like, well, you know, it's hard to do your jobs with fucking body cameras. Like it should be. It should be hard to fucking kill somebody. Like it should not be easy for cops to fucking assassinate somebody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you have to watch, like, everything you do, they're like, oh, well, it's not fair to, like, make us, like, watch every every move we make, like, so that people can watch it back later. Like, no, that is 100% appropriate. We should know what fucking cops are doing. We should know what moves they made. You shouldn't be able to, if, if you, t- like, turn off your body cam, like, if it malfunctions, instant, it should be instant termination. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at least, like, if there isn't a situation and you're something like, oh, like no other job can you do that. You can't be like, like, they're like, oh, let's just check the camera in the break room to see like if, if somebody stole money. You're like, oh no, like the, the camera, the camera broke and I was in there all day. Like, no, like they would say, all right, well you're fucking fired. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you know what I yeah. mean? Which I, it's not like, like only cops can get away with being like, well, my job's harder. If you're filming me, like you watch, mm-hmm. you watch fucking Amazon right now. They're, doing work of surveillance in every fucking possible manner to the point of even tracking people's movements and cops are like, Oh, like, well, we carry weapons, but you know, we, we can't, we, you guys shouldn't be watching us. You guys shouldn't know what we do. Like, and I mean, it's having like, you know, it's their idea that they have like justice, I guess the law and the justice and, and justice are one, which obviously they aren't, but like, you know, the idea that, that, uh, they're like, even if they have to bend the rules, like it's all in the name of justice. And it's like, number one, no, the fuck it isn't. Number two, like, we should still like we should still be able to watch you like even if we decided as a society that your function like the way it is is 100% what it should be we should we should still be able to watch you do it like <laughs> mm-hmm. and it should so, and it should be a hard job you shouldn't like that's the thing though you can go to like you know community college for a couple of years decide to be a cop go into criminal justice become a cop like you know barely get trained for it and then and like a lot, I mean, not everywhere, obviously, because a lot of places, you know, they wanted someone who's had a four-year degree, which obviously having a four-year degree and all the training in the world, you could still be a fucking sociopath getting involved in those roles. And those are still, but like still like a lot of times cops are like, you know, barely fucking trained. Their training mm-hmm. literally trains them to want to shoot people as a first result, like a, a first option, because they're constantly in fear that their lives are in danger or, you know what I mean? Like that's what they're telling themselves and they're, you know, it incentivizes people with like violent temperaments to get involved into that job and people that want to be within a hierarchical power, like a power structure where they're the ones being in the enforcer role rather than the enforced. Like all of those are bad. Like all of those are already red flags. But then on top of that, like the gangland mentality of cops is fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I hear actually this next part is good too. So let's, uh, just want to make sure I catch written this argument as to Blakely factors within one week. The court will issue findings on the Blakely factors, the factual findings, one week after that. We'll order a PSI immediately, returnable in four weeks. And we will also have a briefing on, after you get the PSI, six weeks from now, and then eight weeks from now we will have sentencing. We'll get you the exact dates uh, in a scheduling order. Is there a motion on behalf of the state? They would move to have the court uh, revoke the defendant's bail and remand him into custody uh, pending sentencing. Bail is revoked, bond is discharged, and oh, the defendant it. is remanded to the custody of the Hennepin County Sheriff. Bye, Any bitch. Further? All right. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, but you know they're remanding long. in the 
custody of a sheriff and he's going to still get way better treatment than, you know, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I see, I'm of two minds. Number one, I think that he obviously is a fucking murderer and this is, this is good news. But I, I guess I would also say to, um, I guess, temper, temper the excitement because, you know, it's a year later, no federal laws have been changed to make policing, um, you know, to make it so that less people are going to get killed. In fact, while this fucking jury went on, a, a cop killed a, another black, like a black kid, like that, whose George Floyd's girlfriend had been his, uh, had been his teacher at one point. Like they can't stop in the same city that that was happening. In. So it's like, yep. which, you know, sounds more like a warning than fucking anything, but from the cops, I mean, but like, you know, it, it's, so it's like, you know, nothing's, these big things haven't changed at least federally mm-hmm. to make it so that less, less people are going to be killed by police. But, and it feels kind of like, you know, every once in a while they like throw a, uh, like a cop in jail to kind of satiate the, the mood for change. It's like, well, justice is served on this one. But at the same time, I mean, look at what happened with uh, the cops and Breonna Taylor. You know what I mean? Like they, they all pretty much got off. The only thing they got charged with is shooting into the neighbor's fucking apartment. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's good news, but I would say that, you know, that it's definitely not justice being served in the sense of like making sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah. Forrest. It literally happened yeah. While the court. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, we we need uh, we need to abolish the police. Uh, but uh, I was I was wondering I was wondering if like if you'd be down like with um, it, there's this thing on Twitch. It's called uh, it's called a crab rave. Okay, it's called a crab rave. So like when when you know when when the when someone bad dies. Or, for instance, you know, when uh, Derek Chauvin's going to prison, you know, we have a little, uh, we, ha- we we let loose a little bit. We have a little bit of a party. You know, we have a crab rave. Did you want to have fun with our crab rave with us for a couple minutes here? It's about to start. Yeah? All right, here it goes. Oh! Fuck Derek Chauvin. Dude, he murdered George Floyd. There they go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Echo. You don't have to get into it, but they love it when you do. Crabs, they just keep going. All right. All right. All right. All right. What's. Yeah. All right. Um, we had to. So, uh, Forrest, I think that's a good time to, to wrap it up. I want to thank you for your time. Again, we've invited you. 
in the spirit of building leftist unity, strength, and power. In that sense, you've been a, a wonderful guest on the show. This is uh, us planting the seed for future conversations where perhaps yeah. some of the chats we were having where we put a pin in it, let's resurrect those important ones and uh, and keep bringing them uh, important things to our our you know our viewers' minds. Yeah, yeah. sure. I'm always down to come back. Um, awesome. Let me know. Thank you. Conversation. Let's do this again. All right. We will chat with you soon. Uh, peace to you and, uh, and solidarity, buddy. You too. All right. Thanks, Forrest. Peace. All right. Uh, yeah, that was Forrest. Forrest Miller. Hey, listener. You just heard an episode of Leftist and Chill, the show you never knew you didn't need but still can't live without the podcast version. Content like this is only made with the support of listeners like yourself. Please support at patreon.com slash idansimpson today.